0: hey y'all welcome back how have y'all been how has the holiday season new year start of the year been for you i just want you to ponder that in your heart because i know that you can't really like respond to me (laughs) but just take a moment to reflect um at least I know that's what I have been doing. I took the time, y'all, that I needed, and it was wonderful. It was so restorative, um, and yes, that's a little foreshadowing into today's topic, <laughs> but yes, the time that I took was so necessary for my own healing and my own personal journey and my own personal development. Um time with God, you know, I could like riff on how God has showed up for me in these past eight weeks, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, and not because of like what he's done. It's all about who he has been to me. So y'all know, eventually I, I take the, the message deep, honey. I get to low-key preaching on here. Me, I get excited about God. If you don't know that, I introduce him in every episode just about um, <laughs> and, and share my experience and my love for God. Um, but before I do that, <laughs> I just want to introduce myself. I know that some of you may be new here, um, and even for my lovelies who return, um, I'm your girl, Adrian. It is nice to be able to serve you and commune with you and laugh with you and grow with you. I do not take lightly all the listeners and all the people who tune in, so welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Y'all, I'm relaxed. I got me some tea. I mean, mm, it feels like tea. It's coffee. <laughs> But it's decaf. And so I have me some coffee here. I am also recording video for the YouTube because we trying to get that back up and going. Okay. I think the last season that was recorded on YouTube was season four or maybe season three and a little bit of season four. Look, the consistency. 2024 is the year of consistency for me. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm recording videos. So if you hear me go back and forth between, you know, speaking to those who are watching versus those who are listening, you know, bear with your girl, bear with me. But anyways, again, welcome. I'm going to jump right into the topic because, um, if you have been here, if you've listened, you know, I like to keep these episodes to about 30 minutes. Okay. I do not like to ramble on um actually let me take that back I love to ramble on you know me and my friends we ramble all the time uh but (laughs) for the sake of valuing your time and why you come here um I won't be doing that but you know if y'all have interest in that let me know you know perhaps there is a avenue for that but for today honey I would love to talk about healing post-divorce Okay, and how God restores you. I really want to talk about falling in love with God. Y'all, that's the message right there. You know, just fall in love with God again. Sips coffee. That's the beginning, middle, and end. (laughs) Because his love and his presence and his provision and his compassion and empathy and mercy and grace for us, guys... Gals, okay, whoever's listening unmatched, unmatched, okay, and that is what he was showing me of these past few months. So February, if you've listened, this is not new information to you, but i'm I'm just catching y'all up, okay, go with me, so February makes uh marks six months since my divorce was actually final. Um, you may have heard me talk about going through the process, um, but it's it's a process. It is. It can be long. It can be drawn out. It can be very emotional. It's parts and pieces. It's uprooting your life. It's you know figuring out living arrangements and new routines and new homes. And for me, I included a new job on top of that. So it it has been quite the transition. Which was already coming on the heels of of transition for me. To be honest, my life for the past decade has been a myriad of transitions. I really hadn't gotten to a place where I was able to sit still. And that, honey needs to be needed to be unpacked and it's something that I had to come to grips with was like girl what you got going on you you here you there you everywhere <laughs> um and so that speaks to just where I was mentally and emotionally in my life <clears throat> excuse me and so to have to go through another transition i just felt i just i was like god i just can't i just this is just wow I wanted the transition. It was so taxing. And when I say wanted, I don't mean like, oh, I want a divorce. Let me go ahead and clear that up, honey. I would pray that no one wants that because it's horrible. It's There's no other way to put it. It's horrible on everyone involved. Um, when I say wanted it, I knew that that journey had run its course, um, have ultimate respect um, for my my ex um we are friends, we co-parents. I have no problems. And I'm I'm oversharing. Let me go ahead and say that now. Um, <laughs> cuz I ain't got to share all this, but I'm doing it for the sake of encouraging those who, you know, maybe in similar situations or going through it, may have gone through it, um or just just looking for encouragement for their own situations. And so yeah, um, I have respects for him. We're good friends. We co-parent. But that doesn't take away from the turmoil, the grief, the sadness, the depression that can set in going through the process. It does not mean like, oh, you know, you were um, welcoming, if you will, in um, maybe even some ways championing the Split, so you must be good. You know, like we—you've heard, you may have heard people talk about that. Like, oh, well, you're the one who did the breaking up. You're the one who wanted the the divorce, and so, you know, you you're you're fine. You you had kind of come to grips with that. Um, well before it happened, this other person is on the receiving end, so it's so much worse. And I'm here to say that that is so inaccurate. <laughs> So inaccurate, because oftentimes you a person is driven to make that decision. It's like i I have to choose me at this point, and for the longest, I have been trying and trying and trying to mend and work on things and to no avail, so yes, I'm choosing me, but that's not how I wanted it to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have tried so hard and for so long. Um, so anyways, that was way more of a prelude than I was expecting to give. <laughs> but transparency is key for me because I think that is where the testimony is. How is there a testimony without transparency? Come on. Hello, people. So knowing that, thinking about that, going through that, um, it's been a rocky year at least 2023 was for me lots of change lots of emotions um but toward the end I'd gotten to a place where I was tired of running from those emotions I was tired of mm, I really want to make sure that I speak to this in the correct way um running from those emotions not properly processing those emotions as well as trying to bandage my pain and my hurts with things that were just incapable of healing me. And so that's why I wanted to speak today and come right out the gate. Season seven, y'all talking about restoration, because it can be so easy to look for restoration everywhere else, but where you get restoration from. It can be so easy to look from, for healing from everything and everyone, but the healer himself, and that's God, that is Jesus. Okay. And and so I was praying about, um, you know, just reflecting over the past few months. And before I get into the scripture, let me, I feel like I'm leaving a part out. All right. So I said, I got tired, right? And so there was this phase of, you know, when you're going through all the stages of grief, right? And and me grieving uh, the marriage, man, I was angry. I was in denial. And this is not in order, guys. And the stages of grief don't even necessarily happen in order. They can just happen at different times. Multiple feelings can happen at the same time. There is no one way to grieve, okay? Anybody who has grieved anything knows that. So yes, um, you know, I was feeling angry. I was feeling in denial. I was, i had my bargaining stages, honey, where I was just like, man, um, let's just figure this out. You know, let's just work this out because this is just too hard. This is, I don't, I don't want to go through this, um, all the way through to acceptance and what acceptance, <clears throat> excuse me, it looked like for me was accepting that, running out here and trying to live my best life without processing my emotions, trying to make new friends, meet people, date, um whatever, you know, spending spending my time doing things that, you know, I've wanted to do, travel, go to concerts, all those things are so necessary and healthy, right? There's nothing wrong with those things. Even down to like journaling, um listening to a good sermon, right? All those things are are great. But they don't hold a candle to God himself. And that was the piece that I needed most, and it was taking me some time to realize and I have a relationship with god y'all that's that's what this whole podcast is about is God, however, that doesn't mean that I know it all, and that I'm gonna you know know the season that I'm in and what I need to be doing at every given moment. sometimes I have to go through the journey and the process and learn as I go. And so at this point in time, I felt like I, you know, I did, I loved God. I knew God. I was seeking God. I was trying to um, incorporate him, but I was trying to incorporate him the same way I might incorporate exercise in my life. It was, it was intermittent, right? It was sporadic. It was optional, and God had to sit me down and let me know that he is not optional. <laughs> if you want agape love, if you want healing, if you want purpose, if you want identity in Christ, I am a necessity for that. There is a scripture that says that God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. We can't even do well by God. Without God, we need him for any and everything that he would have us to do. To become the person that God designed us to be, we need God. And I was trying to become that and lean into that and find healing and press forward without him. In in the right seat. I won't say without him because, woo. That that didn't even feel right to say, but I was trying to place him, you know, where I wanted him. And and this is the box that you stay in and honey, God ain't staying in no box. He is a jealous God. If he can't be number one, then it's a no. And he's never going to force that. It's, it always has to be a choice. You have to choose to place him in his rightful place. And that is where I needed to get to. And so the past eight to 10 weeks, end of the year coming into the new year, God was doing something in my heart. He was helping me to make room for him in my heart, in my mind, in my day today, in my thoughts. I know I said mind already, but I can't can't stress that enough. um he was helping me to see this is how I need our relationship to be this is how reliant I need you to be on me this is how dependent I need you to be on me and sometimes you might hear people say like oh I just had to you know lean on God nobody else was there so I just had to lean on God as if that is like a consequence we know that's a privilege. Like what? To lean on God is to have every single thing that you need. That's That's awesome. But I actually didn't get to that place. Like I did. It wasn't that I um, didn't have people because I, I do. I have loved ones. I have friends. I have a church family. I do have people who love me and want the best for me. So, when it came down to me placing God in that place, it came down to the desire of when I am going through. Who do I desire for most in that moment? Who do I want to speak with first in that moment? And God, you know, honors and 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 requires our first fruits. I have an, a podcast episode on that. On you know giving God our first right and that's not just in finances that's not just in income or or tangible things but in our time and in our our intimacy with him in our desires to know him and to share with him when you get good news Is your first thought God? Is it thank you, Jesus? Or or is it someone else that you want to run and talk with? When you get bad news, who do you want to run to to console you? Is it God? Because if it's not and you truly want a, a relationship with him and you want him to be Lord and Savior, we want to get to a place where he is first in our hearts in our minds in our lives and so that that has been what God has been doing and and it's been marvelous to see Especially retrospectively, because in the moment, you know, you're kind of like, what is happening? But I could almost see it happening in real time. I could feel the times where something would happen or I'd feel a way and where I might usually call my best friend or I might usually call my sister, who I did call at times, y'all. And, and eventually, even after talking to God, I did eventually call them and talk with them. I could see the change in how I longed and cried out for God most and first, and that's who I wanted to talk with. And that's who I wanted to spend time with. Those nights when I was feeling lonely, when I was feeling like, man, this is not where I saw my life being at this point. This is not where I saw it going. This, is, this whole existence right now is so unfamiliar to me. It is so foreign. I just want out." those feelings, right? And feeling God embrace me almost to where I could feel it physically. And I know that it, it wasn't physical, but inside, spiritually, I felt his love. I felt his presence. And to know that I have direct access to that only grew my desire for him. So when I am smack dab in the middle Of my work day and these feelings rush up on me. I'm like, okay, God, I know you're with me. You said you never leave me nor forsake me. I need your help right now. And to have that mental switch. Spiritual switch too, because it's not all mental. And to have that intimacy with God. Has been beautiful. And I've never had this. I have had well, i've i've had it i've come close let's just say that like i thought you know how you thought you was in love when you was in high school <laughs> it's like that it's like when you when you really do get a mature love and that's not to knock you know high school sweethearts and and, and teenage love because there is some there's some realness in there okay but for those who might not have had you know, that experience. Maybe you ain't have a high school sweetheart, but you you did love someone and then you later realize, like, honey, I was lost in the songs, okay? And then you experienced the love at like late 20s, 30s, and you compare and contrast. <laughs> and you realize there is no comparing and contrasting. There is no why was I so lost? Why was I so gone? Why was I so in love? That that's the feeling I have now is like to to go from What I was experiencing, oh, I can't even talk. To go from what I was experiencing when I didn't have God fully in his rightful place to what I experience now, having him be the center of it all for me, unmatched. And the difference is surrendering. God has been working on me, y'all, with surrendering. Surrendering what I want, what I think I want, what I think is best for me. Surrendering the need for control. Surrendering the need to have a timeline of when things are going to happen in my life. Surrendering um, that place. That that top spot where God desires to be surrendering it to him and saying it's yours and saying, I'm going to look to you when I do everything, not when I need something, when I do everything, when I start my day. When I end my night, when I'm going to make a decision or need to make a decision, when I'm in my emotions, when I'm confused, when I'm hurt, when I'm joyful, when I want to give, all these moments, I'm coming to you. I'm seeking first you, your righteousness, knowing that you're going to add everything else that I need to me. I don't have to chase after the things. I don't have to worry about putting a person in this in this spot. I don't need a boo. I don't need a man. I don't need a best friend. All these things are great. Healthy in many ways. But when it comes to you and God, it's optional. And if God says that I don't want for you to have any of those things or not yet anyway, then I'm okay with that that I'm content with that and that I surrender to him and give him my yes in spite of what I think should be happening at the time. Cause oftentimes it's not even a no, it's just a not yet. But honey, I don't like to wait for nothing. Okay. (laughs) And I'm going to keep saying ah, because I'm speaking for myself. So I wanted to walk through this scripture because I really Believe that God was trying to show me what He was doing in my heart, and show me not just what He was doing and um in and through me, but also how to stay here, how to sustain this instant in- intimacy with Him, because that is a fear. You know, when you bask in God's presence and 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 everything is great, you can have that feeling of like, well, what's going to happen if I go to make this decision, or you know, these things. Ha- things change in my life. Are you still going to be there? How do I know that I'm doing what it is that you want me to do? And how do I know that I'm on the right path? And how do I know that you'll be with me? Because as humans, we're fickle. We need reassurance. Okay. My my love language is words of affirmation for God as well. I need words of affirmation, Jesus. Please affirm me. Please tell me that I'm doing the right thing. Show me that I'm doing the right thing. So this is a very familiar very familiar passage. Um, and I just wanted to walk through it. So it is the 23rd Psalm. I'll read it. And then I'll walk back through it with what God gave me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, and before I do that, let me share that this is the ESV version. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, the way that this scripture came to me when I was praying, because, honey, I get to talking and I realize I didn't even finish that thought. Complete a thought, sis. (laughs) I told y'all I can ramble. So, anyways, um, I'm praying and I begin to say, kind of like, um, unknowingly, right? Like I didn't anticipate saying this, but I began to pray and say, you restore my soul. And man, I just kept repeating it because it was like, oh, how do I say this? So it was so, um, confirming of the of what was has happened right of what had happened over the past few weeks and god kind of opened my eyes in my moment and showed me that all of that time that you spent with me while it felt like it was a lot of push and pull a lot of tug a lot of trial and error a lot of ups a lot of downs a lot of good moments a lot of bad moments a lot of crying a lot of praying a lot of fasting i was restoring your soul. And when I began to pray that and he showed it to me, I just wept because it was so true. I've never felt as whole today as I do. There is a notion and a belief that another person completes you. And that is so false. We are whole, but I want to take it a step further. Well, really, God wants to take it a step further because we like to think that the absence of feeling like I need a person is is the wholeness, right? Like once I realize that I am enough, that's all. That's all that I need. And I, I am whole and I feel complete. But how many of us struggle with that? I, for one, how many of us struggle with feeling truly like without a person, we are enough. We're whole. We're not lonely. We're not less than. We're not waiting for a person. Not to say we don't want these things because there's nothing wrong with that. But in the meantime, in between time, honey, whether God says yes or no to that thing, I am complete. I am whole. But it is so hard to believe that when all of society has this, this story and this narrative of of working towards partnership, working towards a relationship, towards finding your match, right? And then you wonder why you feel horrible. Well, like singleness is just this curse that we all just have to get through, right? Like, oh, well, we're just waiting until better times. And so there is that piece of it, but there's also this other piece of it that to just simply be content with yourself absent from God is still incomplete. It's not enough to just find the love for yourself, your self-love alone. And I did that, you know, right after I knew that things, uh, that we were going to split I pursued therapy. Um, I was like, I I have to work on my self-love. I got to get myself back, honey. And all all those things that I learned, those tools were extremely helpful, changed my perspective completely and increased my own self-esteem, self-confidence, self-love. But even after all of that, there was still something missing. And there is a spot God has in our hearts designed specifically for him that cannot be filled by anything and any person, (laughs) self-love, any hobby, anything. There's nothing you can put there. And there will always be a longing for something more. Whether you recognize that it's for God or not, There is a longing for something more. And that's why it can be easy to get trapped in that cycle of like accomplishments, accomplishments, goals, chasing the bag. What's next? New me, new year, new me, um, all these things, right? And you could be on this hamster wheel constantly chasing. And every time you achieve, you're satisfied for a little bit. But then that desire comes back. And God is knocking ever present, trying to get our attention to say, hey, that spot is for me. That desire is for me. That longing, it's for me. Will you let me in? So, <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd. I love, now David, This the person who wrote this psalm, he was named a man after God's own heart. He had his issues, he had his struggles, he had his sins, he had his past, honey. But God said, this man is after my heart. And I see that. So let's go ahead and just qualify the author of this passage. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He starts out by acknowledging who God is in his life. And that's what God wants us to do in everything. That we set our feet to do before we even get out the bed, acknowledging who God is in our lives. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He then directly goes into what that means for him. What does it mean for the Lord to be my shepherd? It means I don't want for anything. Not that I don't have desires, but I don't need anything. I don't long for anything because he provides for me. He cares for me. The the scripture, there's a scripture that says, Cast all your cares on me, for I care for you. I don't want for anything. When's the last time you even felt that way? When's the last time you looked at your life and was like, there's nothing else that I want in this moment? I am content. God is good. Thank you, Lord. Gratitude. I don't I don't need anything in this moment. And God is like, you can feel that all the time. <laughs> I get so excited. Do you know that you can it doesn't have to be a, a fleeting thing. You can feel this way all the time. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And this is why I don't want for anything because he makes me to lie down in green pastures. So what does that mean? When you think about the biblical times, agriculture, okay, is the crux of their society, of their economy. And so he's using this metaphor to say, God is giving me, he's providing for me and my needs as it pertains to hunger. Green pastures, if you think about livestock, green pastures is sustenance. It's food, right? And I love that he uses the word makes because sometimes we don't know what we need to be feeding on. we be out here feeding on everything we can get our hands on. Everything TikTok can run across our screen, honey. We feed on that, And sometimes God is like, I need you. I'm going to let you feed on all of that. I'm going to let you eat all the candy and the, and the sweets. Look, mom out here. I'm going to let you eat all the sweets and the candy and whatever it is you think you want until you're sick of it. And you realize that the true sustenance is in me and so i'm going to lead you to lie down in green pastures that is what you should be feeding on and there's more than enough of that and then he says he leads me beside still waters which is another form of provision allowing him to quench his thirst and this is this is symbolic to god being the ultimate um, giver of life, a living water. He told the woman at the well, I can give you water, and you will never thirst again. She didn't understand. She was at the well, she was like, What water? Where's that? Show it to me. I came down here to get some water. Where's the water that, that I will never thirst again? And he's like, I'm the water. <laughs> and i love that he says that david says he leads me beside still waters because still waters is is accessible you ever tried to you know do anything where there's rapids it's scary okay it's life threatening <laughs> he said no my water is still it's accessible you can come to me and partake as much as you need and then he says he restores my soul and I love that because the more that we acknowledge who God is in our lives, find contentment in what, what he has done for us, understanding, I don't want for anything. God takes care of it and trusting him that he is going to provide the sustenance that we need, allowing him to lead us to him, lead us to still waters. That is restoring your soul. It's that simple. Feed on God. Come to God. Lean on God. Look to God. And he will restore your soul. He's taking care of your needs. He's providing for your, you know, the food, whatever you should feed on. And I don't mean just... Physically, yes, he's going to provide because there are times where you like, wait, where the next meal coming from? Yeah, he's absolutely going to do that. But he's also going to feed you what your soul needs. Sometimes we think we need a drink. When what you really need is to a word from God, what you really need is repentance or what you really need is direction from him. And getting that is going to scratch that itch. It's going to fulfill you. And then, of course, the still waters, which is symbolic again to life, him. That is him restoring your soul. And then he goes on to say he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So once his soul is restored, now he can go down the paths of righteousness. Now you have what you need. To pursue righteousness. Are we gonna be perfect? Are we always gonna get it right? No. But when we lean on God to restore us, we have the power to pursue righteousness. We can't do that in our brokenness. We can't do that on our own. Okay? And then I love that he says, for his name's sake, because we don't, we don't go, we don't pursue righteousness to be like, I'm righteous. <laughs> I'm perfect. I got it together. No. We, we do it for his glory, not for our own. And then he goes on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's what restoration looks like. Having a safe, a safe space in God, having a protector, having someone who is going to cover you, all the time. I don't have to fear. And why is that? The net, very next scripture. For you are with me. That is my favorite promise from God. Is that he'll be with me. Okay, I got to walk through hell. But you're going to be with me. I got to face death or the shadow of death. You'll be with me. Because I'd rather do that with the person who has overcome both hell and death. If I got to do that, I want to do it with the person who's overcoming because he's going to show me how to get through, or he's going to get me through on his own, own, you know, of his own might. But if I got to walk through divorce, if I got to walk through a breakup, if I got to uproot my life, if I got to go, you know, pursue purpose, I want to do that with God with me. Cause it scares the living daylights out of me <laughs> to, to even think that I would attempt anything that God has asked me to do without him. I can get into the, all the why me's. Why are you picking me do it? Get somebody else to do it. But I don't have to lean on that because of his promise that he'll be with me. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, which essentially is, correction can we be real your correction comforts me you know why because it's love it's saying i don't want to see you do something that's going to put you in harm's way i don't want to see you do something that's going to jeopardize your future and that lets me know that you love me we do that for our children that's love they may not understand it in the moment but they will and it, and the same goes for us we may not understand it in the moment. Why he said no, why he said, take this, this route instead, why he said, wait, but I'm comforted by that because now I know that you, you love me. The people, you know, I used to think about my, my mom used to talk about this when I was a kid and I'd be like such and such parent, let them do that they let them do whatever they want to do. And it seemed like, uh, it was such a great thing to have a, a parent who lets you do whatever your heart's heart desires. But is that true love? To allow you to do things that they know is going to harm you, that they know is is not in your best interests, or is it love to to try and protect you and say, "Sweetheart, no, you need to go to bed. You don't need to stay up all night." You got school tomorrow because school is important. I need you to be focused tomorrow instead of being like, oh, I'm going to just gonna let you stay up and do what you want. I mean, it's a small example, but you get the point. So your correction, it comforts me. And to take it a step farther, uh, farther, hmm, that came out a little weird. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So it's not just about... Com- uh, protecting me from the dangers that I might put myself in, right? <clears throat> Correction, right? And saying I want to protect you from poor decisions, but I'm also going to prepare, uh, pro- protect you. A lot of PR words, honey. <laughs> protect you from enemies, and not just protect you, but also bless you in the midst of your enemies. I'm going to also anoint you. It says you anoint my head with oil. now, I like there's one thing I learned about this particular scripture um so sheep will and don't don't quote me y'all because agriculture, honey it ain't my strong suit. but when you think of anointing your head with oil, we think of you know all the the spiritual references, right. But what that means is when you think of a shepherd, so sheep will um, suffer from flies like attacking them and bugs and pests and things attacking them and their ears uh, and, and, and eyes and things, right? And they don't really have any defenses. So shepherds will place oil on their head to protect them from those infestations. And so anointing isn't always about a gift and anointing me to go forth in in ministry and do all these great things. But it's also about protection, protecting you from things that you don't even have a defense for. God, I thank you for that. When I say that is. Joy to my soul. You protect me for the things I don't have defenses for. When you think of seen and unseen dangers, right? Like if I'm driving on the road, I have no control over what the other drivers are doing. But you protect me. Who else can do that? Who else can? Look, don't get me started. My cup overflows <laughs> is the next scripture. Love it. That is talking, speaking directly to abundance, honey. Our society loves talking about abundance, honey. There you go. It's right there in the word. God says, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to bless you with abundance. And I love that because there's a scripture that says that God has come into this world, not to condemn us, but to give us life and life more abundantly. And that's not just eternal life, which is Enough in and of itself, but not just eternal life, though, but abundant life here on this earth. Get you a God that can do both. <laughs> yes, promise me eternal life and all the greatness that comes with heaven, but also promise me abundance right here, right now. Who wouldn't serve a God like this? Oh, this is so exciting to me. Y'all get riled up, honey. The word, it is good to my soul. All right, let me finish up. So then it says, surely, surely, I love that. Goodness and mercy shall, not will, not might, not could, shall follow me all the days of my life. Because of who God is, goodness and mercy are going to follow me. God is a good God. And not only is he good to us, but he's merciful. He's already put in the plan mercy, an opportunity for us to stay near him even when we fall short. And it's going to follow me. It's going to meet me at the dub. OK, it's going when I wake up, the mercies are brand new every morning. Not that I abuse it, but because in, in my humanity, I need it. There are things that I do and say that it may take me weeks, months, years to recognize that they were wrong or that they were offensive or that perhaps I shouldn't do, have done them. But your mercy. They follow me all the days of my life. That is So wonderful. I know I probably sound like I'm 82 years old, but when I say this is so great to know and to feel from a person who constantly got it wrong, and yet to know that God is right there, eager to forgive, What more can I ask for? And then David says, and he ends with, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is how you maintain that restoration. This is how you maintain the healing. This is how you maintain a connection with God is dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Not a physical house. The house of the Lord is in his presence. I am going to dwell. I'm going to set up shop. This is my residence. This is where I live. This is where I be. This is how I live, move, and have my being. is in your presence. I am going to seek the same way your goodness and mercy is following me. I'm going to follow you in your presence. And we're going to be lock and keep. And that's how I not only be restored, but stay restored. That's it. And that's all 'all. (laughs) y'all. If you want to read more about this, I have written a blog post on my website, adrianrobertson.com. It's the first post and it's the same title as this um, podcast episode possibly because I might I might change the the name of it but the name of this blog post is healing post divorce how God restores you I'll link it in the show notes um but I did do a a an, a pretty lengthy article on this kind of walking through it even more than I just did so if you you know if you want to check that out feel free um but I definitely wanted to share with you on on this podcast as well so this podcast has been, excuse me, y'all. This podcast has been way longer than I anticipated. I said I was trying to do 30 minutes, but I also had not caught up with you guys. There, you know, season six ended a couple months ago. And so we coming out, I was gonna say guns blazing, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we coming out sword blazing, okay, with the word. <laughs> yes, I'm churchy and I um I accept that about myself. I love that about myself, so yeah Mm mm-hmm laugh all you want no (laughs) um yeah so it's okay that it's long I hope that you enjoyed it I hope it encourages you and I hope that you'll meet me here next time on perfectly whole